Good morning, everybody. Um, just a couple of other announcements, just things for, for me to mention uh, before we come to our teaching. Um, so one of them is that today, this very day, um, at 7 o'clock uh, this evening, uh, we are beginning uh, something which is kind of new. It's a little bit of an experiment uh, that Ricky and I have, have kind of dreamed up. Um, it's called Skeptics Cafe. Um, and the idea with Skeptics Cafe is it's a space um, to wrestle together with some of the big questions that can really trouble people or bother people or keep people away from the church or from Jesus or sometimes even cause disquiet and damage for those of us who are Christians uh, but are wrestling with these things and sometimes don't say them out loud. Um, and so we've said it's for people who are believers, doubters, skeptics or seekers so for anybody who falls into any of those categories or is a mix of all of those things uh, that's who it's for um, the room is going to be set up like a cafe there's going it's not going to be a church service so there won't be singing or praying or any of those things but we'll be given uh, a very short talk about the question for that evening and then a bit of discussion round the tables with the people you're sitting with uh, and then coming back together for a bit of q a um, Tonight, Ricky is going to be doing tonight's one on the question uh, of why the church is so full of hypocrites or why Christians are sometimes big hypocrites or whatever way you want to phrase that. Um, and so Ricky's going to be thinking about that tonight. Uh, we'd love you to come. We'd love you. It's a relatively easy thing to invite people to come to. Uh, we'd love you to invite a friend, a neighbor, a colleague, a family member uh, to come with you. If you can come a little bit early, um, Animate is on this evening from five to half six, so we have half an hour from half six to seven to get the room set up. And so if anybody's able to be here at half six just to help with the kind of um, setup, uh, that would be really helpful. Uh, but otherwise, uh, we'd love to see you at seven o'clock. Um, the one other thing um, I just want to mention again is we are having a baptism uh, next Sunday after church. Um, we're going to be going... Uh, so after church next Sunday, just to warn you, there will be no tea and coffee, right? Because when church is over next week, we would love you to get in your car uh, or share cars, even better, uh, and go to Downhill Beach. We're going to be gathering at the near end of Downhill Beach uh, for a baptism around 12 o'clock or whenever everybody has kind of got there. Uh, at the minute, I think there are 10 people uh, being baptized, and it's a mixture of people who have come to faith in Jesus as adults and, a mix, and some of our own young people uh, who want to uh, take that step of baptism. It's not too late. If you're still wondering and wavering and, one, and thinking about getting baptized, come and speak to me at the end or send us a message after church. Uh, we'd love to get a chat with you if that's something you're still thinking about. Uh, but we would love everyone to come. And the thing I nearly forgot to say is bring a packed lunch with you. Um, we're hoping the weather will be good. Um, and if it is, we'd love to not rush away, but stay on the beach and um, enjoy being there together as church family. I think that is all I need to mention. Um, let's, let's pray together as we come to God's word this morning. Um, Father, I want to thank you that you're a God who loves to speak that you are not silent, that you are not mute, but you love to speak to us words 
that bring life, words that bring hope, words that bring healing, words that bring salvation, words that bring light. And so, Father, we want to invite you this morning um, to speak to us by your word and by your spirit, and we want to pray that we, as we listen, um, we'd be really open and receptive. Give us soft hearts to receive the things that you want to say to us this morning. And Father, we pray that they would make a deep and lasting difference in the way that we live. Because we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, for those who don't know, um, we're, we've begun a, a series just a couple of weeks ago um, thinking about the marks of a disciple, what it means to be a follower of Jesus uh, based on Mark's gospel. So yes, that is a pun, the marks of a disciple. Um, someone told me I should get fired for that pun. But uh, um, just to say, if you haven't yet got a little copy of Mark's gospel, we have lots of them and I'll put a few spare on the table here at the front and you can come and grab one. Um, I was thinking, I do want to revive something that we did before with John's gospel, which I kind of I got a kick out of even if nobody else did. Um, because we would love you to take these with you into life, take them to work, take them when you're going to the doctor, take them when you're going to school, um, take them into the midst of life. Um, one thing we did before with John, which we'd love you to do again, is if you are somewhere interesting with your Mark's gospel, um, snap a little photograph of yourself holding your Mark and send it into the church admin phone or send it to me. And if any of them are any good, we'll share them on a Sunday morning. Um, we've had people share them from spin class and from on the beach and various places around the world just to make us jealous, um, and all kinds of things. So uh, be creative, uh, but it, 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 there is a, a serious point behind it, which is we want to take the word of God um, into all the ordinary places uh, of our lives. So we'd love you to, to do that. Um, but let me begin um, this morning. I want to begin with, uh, well, actually, let me, let me say by way of introduction, um, I, I've called this morning's sermon The Quiet Place, and you'll see why. Um, in a moment. Um, I could have called it um, a conversation between three John Marks because um, it's based on Mark's gospel, which was written by a young disciple called John Mark. I'm called John Mark, as you know. Um, and also this sermon was very much influenced by uh, a book by John Mark Comer um, called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which I would highly recommend um, to anybody. Uh, so I could have called it JM Cubed this morning. Um, it's, uh, it's a conversation between three John Marks. Uh, but let me begin with a, a quotation from uh, the French mathematician and philosopher uh, Blaise Pascal. And if I can get par in my clicker. I'm on here, yeah. But not working. This hasn't happened for a while. This is a, a novelty. Oh, oh. There we go. We're moving now. Good. Thank you. Um, Blaise Pascal, a very famous quotation um, back in the 17th century. He said, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. Um, wonder what you make of that quotation. Um, maybe part of your initial reaction is it's a bit of an exaggeration. Like all of our problems 
Do they really arise from that, that one thing? Um, maybe as you, you, you think about that question, maybe you might be thinking, well, when did I last sit quietly in a room alone? And by that I mean without the TV on and without the radio on and without your phone to scroll in your hand. Uh, when did you last do that? Um, maybe you might wonder, why do we find that difficult to do? Seems like a very simple thing. Why do we find that so hard? Uh, maybe like me, you're struck by the fact that Pascal said that in the 17th century when they didn't have TV or radio or the internet or phones and still somehow people found it hard to sit quietly, to sit still in a room alone. What is it in our human nature that is restless, that finds that difficult? Um, so that's just a uh, quotation to get you thinking, to get you wondering uh, together. Uh, we're going to read together just a few verses from Mark's gospel. Uh, we're reading Mark asking, what does it mean to be followers and disciples of Jesus? We're watching what Jesus does. We're listening to what he says because we want to be apprentices who are learning from him how to live so we can follow in his steps. Um, so let's read together from Mark chapter 1, and we're reading from verse 35. It says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. We're going to refer to a few other verses as we go, but that's our our basic passage for this morning. And we're zooming right in on this uh, simple thing. Jesus went off, we're told, to a solitary place. Um, I'm going to teach you a Greek word this morning. You ready for a Greek word? Um, the Greek word for a solitary place is the word eremos. And it's an interesting word because it gets translated in a variety of different ways. So eremos can mean the desert or the wilderness. And sometimes it's translated that way. Um, it can be translated as, as it is here, a solitary place or a lonely place. Um, it can also be translated, and maybe my favorite way of translating it, is a quiet place, Eremos, a quiet place, a solitary place, a wilderness. Um, Jesus went by himself off to the quiet place. Um, I want us to notice the context here in Mark 1. Um, if you've been with us in previous weeks and you're, you heard Jeanette um, giving a really powerful message last week, you'll know Jesus has begun his public ministry. He's begun to preach. He's begun to heal the sick. He's begun to cast out demons. Uh, people have started to hear about him. The crowds are starting to gather. There are many people, many needs there are many miracles actually starting to happen. It's kind of exciting. There's a, a wave of momentum of things happening. There's a buzz going on, a growing ministry with momentum. 
Uh, and as we said before, Mark is kind of telling us the story breathlessly and saying immediately and then straight away and after that and then, and there's, there's a lot to tell. But in the middle of all of that growing momentum of many people, many needs, many miracles, we get this very quiet pause. Mark wants us to notice this. He wants us to know this, that Jesus does something very deliberate which is that he gets up early and he goes to a quiet place away from the crowd, away from the needs, away from the noise, away from the buzz and the excitement, and he prays. That's all Mark tells us. He goes, he withdraws to a quiet place and he prays. And if you've read much in Mark or any of the other gospels, you'll know this is not a one-off. This is not the only time that Jesus does this. He does it repeatedly in Mark's gospel and in the other gospels as well. And in fact, in Luke's gospel, Luke gives us this little comment on the way through in Luke chapter 5, that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Um, guess what the word is for lonely place there? It's Eremos. It's the quiet place. Um, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. The disciples noticed this about Jesus, that this was his habit, his rhythm, his pattern, his repeated uh, thing that he did. Um, in fact, there's a pattern that you can spot, I think, in the Gospels. Uh, John Mark Comer sums it up this way, that the busier and more in demand and famous Jesus became, the more he withdrew to his quiet place to pray. Let me say that again. The busier he got, the more in demand, the more famous, the more he withdrew to his quiet place to pray. And you can read through the Gospels to see if you can see that pattern. Um, so Jesus often withdraws to the quiet place. I want us to notice um, in the passage that we read the result of this pause in that little short passage uh, that we read together. What is the result or the outcome of Jesus being in the quiet place. Well, the disciples come looking for Jesus. They, they don't understand yet what he's doing, maybe. Um, they tell him, everyone's looking for you. The crowd is here. They're waiting. There's, the people are waiting to begin again uh, what you were doing yesterday. And Jesus says maybe something surprising. He says, let's go to another village. Let's go to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. And then he, he makes this statement. statement. He says, that is why I have come. And in a sense, Jesus says no to the immediate opportunity and the immediate demands of the crowd waiting for him in Capernaum. And he says yes to something else. I need to go to the other villages carrying the good news of the kingdom. But what I want us to notice is Jesus comes out of the quiet place with a really clear sense of his identity and his mission. He comes out of being in the quiet place with this really clear and strong sense of who he is and what is his to do, what is his mission, why he has come. That is why I have come. And I want to ask you maybe a, a question for you to ponder. Would you, love, would you not love to have that kind of clarity when you get up every day to know why am I here? <laughs> what, what, what am I here for? What is my purpose? What is my mission? What is mine to do? 
and what is not mine to do? What can I say no to out of all the many demands pressing in on me? And what are the things that I need to say yes to that are for me to do? This is why I've come. This is why I'm here. Would you not love to have that kind of clarity about your identity and your mission, about who you are and what is yours to do? Um, if we want to have that kind of clarity, maybe we need to pay attention to this pattern, this habit in the life of Jesus. He comes out of the quiet place with tremendous clarity about his identity and his mission. Um, and so uh, I, I want to make the most simple of observations, I guess. Um, if Jesus, who is the Messiah and the Son of God, needs to do this, how much more do we need to do it? Right. To say it again, another way, if Jesus needs to do this often, repeatedly, so that his disciples noticed that it was a repeated pattern, how much more is that true for us? How much more often might we need to do it? Um, it's no surprise uh, later in Mark's gospel when we get to chapter 6, uh, when Jesus is with his disciples and again, the crowds are pressing in, and it says they were so busy with the needs of the crowd that they didn't even have time to eat. Have you ever had a day like that? It's just too busy. You forget to eat. You don't have time to eat. Some of you are thinking, never. Um, but the, the needs are pressing in that much. And do you know what Jesus says to his disciples, to his apprentices, who are learning from him how to live? He says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place, guess what the word is, Eremos, and get some rest. Crowds pressing in. The pattern that is in Jesus' life, he wants to teach his disciples the same pattern. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Is that not a beautiful invitation from Jesus to his apprentices, to you? Um, that's his invitation to you this morning. If we want to learn the way of Jesus, um, if we're serious about our discipleship, as Jeanette challenged us last week, um, if we want to live our lives um, with purpose and power like Jesus did, if we want our lives to be fruitful like the life of Jesus is, then we need to learn this simple habit. We need to withdraw often to the quiet place. Um, and so let me ask you, the question we were pondering earlier on. Um, why do we find this so difficult? Because <laughs> I, can, I can sense, even as I threw it out to you all, I can sense this in the room going, that's a beautiful invitation. Come with me to the quiet place to get some rest. And so our spirits say, I want that. Uh, we recognize that it's a beautiful invitation. Most of us know in theory, this is a good thing. We would probably say, this is important for my spiritual health. I know it's really important. I know it's really good. I think it's really beautiful. And yet we find it really hard. Why do we find it hard? Maybe our, our first thought is we find it hard just to find the time and space because life is busy and life is noisy and there are people who need us, whether it's our kids or our neighbors or our elderly parents or um, our colleagues, people need us. There's demands, there's emails uh, pinging into our inbox and there's WhatsApps coming at us and life is busy. Uh, maybe some of us are thinking, I would love to go and sit on a mountain and pray, but life's not like that. Um, we have a to-do list the length of our arm 
to get through. Maybe you're sitting in church this morning going through your to-do list for the the week ahead. Um, And so we do need to acknowledge it is difficult. And that's why we have to deliberately choose it and fiercely defend it. It's not going to happen if we vaguely intend to do it sometime. We're thinking, that sounds really nice, the quiet place. I must do that sometime. It's not going to happen. We have to make a plan. We have to deliberately choose it. We have to fiercely defend it because otherwise life comes crowding in and the time is gone and the day is gone and the week is gone and the month is gone and the year is gone and we don't know where it's gone. Right? We have to choose. There's a discipline to this, to go to the quiet place and to do it often. Do you know in that, in that story in, in Mark 6, where Jesus invites the disciples to come away. Um, Do you know what happens in that story? Um, They don't get the quiet that they're looking for because the flipping crowd follows them. So they they go to the quiet place um, and the crowd comes after them. Um, They can't shake off the crowd on this occasion. And sometimes that happens. You try to go to the quiet place and somehow the busyness and the noise follows you. Maybe your kids come after you um, uh, looking for something. Um, But you know what, Uh, in that story, um, Jesus ends up feeding 5,000 hungry people um, with a few fish and a few loaves. But you know what Jesus does as soon as they are finished in that story, right? So he, he, he deals with the crowd and their needs. But as soon as the story is done, he sends his apprentices ahead of him. He dismisses the crowd and it says he went up on the mountainside to pray. So sometimes it, you don't get to do it immediately when you would like, but there's a deliberate thing with Jesus. As soon as the opportunity is there, there's a hunger in him, there's a, a, a longing in him to get to that place where he's alone with his father and he goes up on the mountain to pray. It is a basic non-negotiable priority for Jesus and so it must be for his apprentices. Right? This is not an optional extra. And so in some ways, I'm asking a really blunt question this morning, which is how are you going to make time and space for this? Or to put it another way, what is your plan for regularly going to the quiet place? Because it's not going to happen. You're not going to trip and fall and land in the quiet place. You've got to make a plan. What is your plan um, to regularly go to the quiet place? Let me say something maybe a little bit deeper. Um, why do we find it difficult to go to the quiet place? Um, I don't think we, we just find it difficult because life is busy and life gets in the way. We also have an enemy who wants to keep us from all that would do us good. And he knows the quiet place is essential for our spiritual health and our nourishment and our growth. And so he will use any distraction. Ping, you hear that? Um, any interruption, any excuse to keep us from the quiet place. He doesn't care what it is. He doesn't care whether it's a bad thing or a good thing that keeps us from the quiet place. But he's, he's going to do anything he can to keep you from getting there, to keep you busy, to keep you full of hurry and worry and flurry so you don't find that place of quiet. Um, in the Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis, um, Two demons discuss 
how to tempt their human subjects, how do we deceive and lead astray our human patients, as they call them. Um, and they agree, as the demons talk, that silence is a great danger to their cause. We've got to keep them away from silence. And they describe the devil's realm as a kingdom of noise. And they say this, the, the quotation on the screen, we, in the end, we will make the whole universe a noise. We will make the whole universe a noise in the end. Sometimes it feels like that's already happening, right? That our world is one big noise going on all the time. We have an enemy, the enemy of our soul, wants to keep us from the quiet place where we can be with our father. Um, I've been thinking about noise as I think about the quiet place. Um, and I want to suggest there are, there are three kinds of noise, maybe, maybe more, but there's three kinds at least that we need to pay attention to. Um, the first one is external noise. That's the, maybe the most obvious the noise of people talking, including ourselves, talking and talking and talking. Um, the noise of TV and radio and music and podcasts and all the rest. The noise of traffic and machines and all the things that clatter and bang and roar and uh, fill, our, fill our world. And so if we're going to find the quiet place, we need to find a way to switch off that noise or get away from that noise and find a little bit of external silence. Sometimes that's challenging um, to find, but we need to try, try and get away from the noise. Um, there's a second kind of noise, which maybe Pascal didn't know about, but is part of our world, which we might call digital noise. Um, and I think this is a new challenge of our internet age, that you can have all the sounds turned off. You can even turn your phone to silent on your laptop to silent, but we're still bombarded with messages and information um, through our laptop or through our phone or through our other devices. Um, um, there, I don't want to go into this in lots of detail, but we've, we've mentioned it before. There's lots of research these days that shows even if your phone is in your pocket or in your bag and it's silenced, it still whispers to you. <laughs> Right? It still distracts you. It still tugs at the edges of your um, attention. And there, there's research to back this up that uh, we find it hard to concentrate on something when our phone is in the room because um, it's something in it is calling to us and drawing us. Um, and so I want to be really blunt this morning. Um, to find the quiet place, you need to leave all devices behind. Right? I'm being really blunt. I'm being a wee bit dogmatic this morning. Um, I know it can be really handy to read the Bible on your phone and all that, but it's, it's too difficult um, to be undistracted. If you're going to find the quiet place in your mind and your heart and your soul, you need to leave all devices behind. And I'm going to be really dogmatic here. Unless you are a doctor on call, right, or something like that, right, this is absolutely possible. And the voice in your head that says, you can't do it because somebody might need to call you and somebody might need to phone you. That is the voice of the enemy, right? Because it's completely possible and people did it for hundreds of years, right? And lots of you remember when people did it, right? So it is absolutely possible. So I'm being, sorry, that's, I'm being very dogmatic this morning. But if you're going to find the quiet place, you've got to get away from external noise. You've also got to find a way really ruthlessly 
to get away from digital noise as well. But then there's a third kind of noise, and this is where it gets tricky. Because when you get away from the external noise and the digital noise, and you sit down in the quiet place, do you know what happens? That's when things can start to get really noisy inside your head, right? All kinds of stuff can start to crowd in and bubble up and come, you don't know where it's coming from. And there, there are all kinds of voices and all kinds of thoughts um, that can start to bubble up. There can be feelings of shame or guilt or regret. You start thinking about things you did wrong last week or 10 years ago. Um, there can be fear about things in the future and worry and anxiety and what ifs and what if not and things that we imagine and wonder about. There can be temptations. There can be anger. Where did that come from? There can be doubt. Some of the questions we're going to be thinking about in Skeptics Cafe. There can be questions that come bubbling up. There can be all kinds of negative thoughts that fill our minds. And sometimes when you're quiet and still, all that noise um, starts to kick off. Can I suggest that this is perhaps the biggest reason why we don't want to go there? It's partly because we're busy, certainly because we have an enemy who wants to keep us from there, but it's also because we don't want that stuff to come bubbling up. We, we work very hard to keep it stuffed down and just keep busy and just keep noisy and just keep talking and just keep swimming and never stop and never be still because, oh, what do we do with all of that? Um, it's only when those things come to light that they can be dealt with in the presence of the Father who loves you. It's only when they're brought to light that they can be healed. And so anybody who's written about the life of prayer and anybody who's written a lot about the quiet place says this is normal and this is necessary and this is to be expected when you go to the quiet place. There's going to be some noise, but don't be afraid. <laughs> Bring it to your father. He knows what you need for those things, for forgiveness, for healing, for whatever it is. So there's three kinds of noise um, to reflect on. Uh, maybe you're wondering, we're talking about the quiet place um, and maybe, maybe your big question is, what do we do in the quiet place? What do I do when I get there, <laughs> right? I finally got away from the external noise. I've shut off the digital noise. The internal noise is starting to happen. But what, what do I do now? Um, all the passage we read this morning tells us is that Jesus went to the quiet place and prayed. Um, maybe lots of us, we'd love to eavesdrop on that moment. We'd love to know how did he pray and what did he pray? Um, he told us a little bit of the way that he prayed and uh, the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that he, he gave us. Uh, we'd love to eavesdrop on those times between Jesus and his Father. Um, I think I've just been really struck as I reflected on this this week that um, we make prayer very complicated. Right? I've had Avril Levine singing in my head, singing, why you got to go and make things so complicated, Right? We make it very complicated. Um, Henry Nouwen, who's one of the wisest writers to have written about the quiet place and about prayer, um, says we even make prayer something busy and noisy. 
and we make our prayer times or our quiet times a kind of seminar with God, right? I, I find that really rings true. In other words, we, we pack it full of stuff. We make it really busy. We're going to read lots of stuff. I'm going to read loads of scripture, and then I'm going to read a, my devotional aid, and then I'm going to work my way through my long list of things that I want to pray for, and maybe I'm going to do some spiritual journaling, and we pack the time full of activity because we're busy activist creatures by nature. And so even what we call quiet time is really not very quiet, right? It's a lot of talking and a lot of busyness. Um, the quiet place is not really a place for doing. It's a place for being. And more specifically, it's a place for being with. What did Jesus say? Come with me by yourselves to the quiet place. It's a place for being with Jesus. It's a place for being with the Father. Um, the quiet place is not really a place for working. It's a place for resting. That's what Jesus says. Come with me by, by yourselves to a quiet place so we can pack it full of seminars about interesting subjects, so we can listen to lots of podcasts together, so we can, so we can rest in each other's company, in each other's presence. Um, it's a place for rest, and I, I think that's not just rest for your body, though that may be part of it, um, but it's rest for your soul. Jesus said another time in Matthew 11, come to me, those who are weary and burdened. What's the end of the sentence? Um, you will find rest for your soul. Um, the psalmist in Psalm 23 uh, famously says, the Lord is my shepherd. And he goes on a few verses later to say, he refreshes my soul. In the company of Jesus, in the company of the good shepherd, your soul gets revived, your soul gets refreshed. There's a deep rest for your soul. And so I want to suggest what we're talking about this morning. There's a place for all kinds of prayer. But when we talk about the quiet place, we're talking about unhurried time to just sit with God in the quiet. Unhurried time to just sit with God in the quiet, to listen to his voice of love and to recover our true identity, to remember who we are, right? that we are made by God, that we are redeemed and rescued by God, that we are loved by God beyond our capacity to comprehend. Right? We are loved with an everlasting love. And we remember who we are. It's a place to be still and know that he is God. It's a place to be still and know that we are loved. Right? It's unhurried time, listening to the voice of love. Um, and what do you do if all those other voices come bubbling up? Um, you bring them to your father. You share them with Jesus. And he will gently give you whatever it is you need. Whether it's forgiveness or healing or encouragement, or courage, or peace. Your Father knows what you need. So you bring those things to him. He will give you what you need. And so my, my plea this morning is don't make it complicated. Don't make it a noisy, busy seminar with God. Um, one of my favorite quotations about prayer um, from another of the, our wisest teachers, Dallas Willard, says, prayer is talking with God about matters of mutual concern. And I love that. 
Notice it's not talking to God. With is a very different word because it allows for us to pause and listen. It's talking with God about matters of personal, of mutual concern. What do you do when you get to the quiet place? My encouragement to you, read a little bit of scripture. Share with God what is on your heart. Ask him what's on his heart. Sit quietly, be still, listen, rinse and repeat. <laughs> That's it. Don't make it complicated. Um, maybe you're wondering, um, where do I go to find the quiet place? Um, and I realize reflecting on this, we, we talked at the beginning about sitting quietly in a room, but it's interesting to note Jesus leaves the house to go find the quiet place. And it seems like Jesus' favorite place was the mountainside. It's nearly always a hillside or a mountainside where Jesus goes to pray. Uh, my wife loves to go to the forest to pray. Um, I love to go to a little bit of the coast, and I'm not going to tell you where it is because I don't want you coming there when I'm there. Um, there's a little bit of the coast um, where I find quiet, and I just walk. And sometimes I just walk and just be aware that God's here with me. And then sometimes I start to talk. And then sometimes I ask God what he has on his heart. And sometimes I bring to mind a few verses that just draw my mind back to who God is and to who I am. Um, but sometimes I'm just quiet. Um, I, I spoke last, or I'm, some of us last week met a man called David Jardine, who's a, a, a monk in the Church of Ireland. Uh, there's not many of them in the Church of Ireland. Um, he's taken a vow to pray for at least three hours a day. And David told me he has an armchair where he sits for three hours a day, and that's his quiet place. And he doesn't get up till he's done his three hours. Um, I would fall asleep, I think, in the armchair. But that's his quiet place. Um, I remember Gemma, who used to come to MCF, who's now living in Wales. I remember her sharing a photograph of a bench on the campus of the university when she was doing her PhD, where she would go every day at lunchtime to pray. And that was her quiet place. I guess what I'm saying is it doesn't matter. Find your quiet place. But I think it does help if you have a place where you go repeatedly, where you go regularly to look for that quiet uh, of soul. Um, maybe you're wondering, when should I go or how, how often should I go? Our instruction is often. Jesus went often. Um, maybe I want to stress this, especially when you're busy. Especially when you're busy. You need to do it often. Um, as John Mark Homer says, um, often for us, the quiet place is the first thing to go when we're busy, but actually it needs to be our first go-to, right? It needs to be the first place we go uh, whenever we're, we're busy. Um, I heard someone say one time, as a, a rule of thumb, as a bit of guidance, um, we should go to the quiet place for a short time every day. Um, a lot of people have found the morning works best, but it's going to depend on your circumstances and your life. Um, go to the quiet place for a longer time every week and then try to go to the quiet place for a longer time again um, every season, maybe two or three times a year. Maybe you can get away for a retreat day or a retreat, a couple of days of retreat. Um, but as a, it's going to depend on your circumstances of life. But as a general guide, I think that's helpful. Um, friends of ours, 
um, used to run a, a silent retreat um, in a, a place near Dublin uh, twice a year. And it was two days, two, ni two nights, bits of three days. Um, they would lead us gently in at the beginning. Debs and I used to go down at least once a year. Um, and then you were quiet um, for 36 hours, for 48 hours. And it was glorious. <laughs> and you had a little room with nothing in it but a bed and a Bible uh, and a toilet. And that was all you had. Um, and it was beautiful. Um, but uh, they've stopped doing that now. So doing this talk has reminded me I need to think, how, how do I get the quiet place uh, built into the rhythms and the seasons of my days, my weeks, my year? Um, what's your plan uh, for finding the quiet place, um, for going there often? Um, let me finish with a couple of quotations. I've had lots of quotes today. So, um, Henry Nouwen, this is very challenging. Henry Nouwen says, we do not take the spiritual life seriously if we do not set aside time to be with God and listen to him. And that's a very um, blunt way of, of saying it, but I think it is true. Um, Jeanette challenged us last week, do we take our discipleship seriously? Jesus takes our discipleship seriously. Um, we don't take the spiritual life seriously if we don't set aside time to be with God and to listen to him. In other words, this is not an optional extra for monks and nuns, for super spiritual extra keen Christians. If you want to be an apprentice of Jesus, if you want to learn from him how to live well, then you need to make this a basic, non-negotiable priority to find a quiet place and go there and go there often to be with Jesus, to be with the Father, to be still and you'll come out of that place changed. The new sense of your identity, the new sense of your mission and your purpose. So let me finish with uh, a little bit of John Mark Comer. And I, I love this at the end of his chapter, reflecting on the quiet place. And it's an invitation uh, to all of us. He says, here's to tomorrow morning. By the way, you don't have to do it the way he does or the time he does. Here's to tomorrow morning, six o'clock. Um, coffee the chair by the window, the window by the tree, time to breathe, a psalm, a story from the Gospels, hearing the Father's voice, pouring out my own, or just sitting, resting. Maybe I'll hear a word from God that will alter my destiny. Maybe I'll just process my anger over something that's bothering me. Maybe I'll feel my mind settle like untouched water. Maybe my mind will ricochet from thought to thought and never come to rest. If so, that's fine, because I'll be back same time tomorrow, starting my day in the quiet place. Let's pray. Um, we're going to sing a song in a second. Um, let me encourage you, if you'd like someone to pray with you this morning, um, for anything that's going on in your life, in your heart, There'll be a couple of people up here at the end who would love to pray with you. And remember, there's tea and coffee afterwards, so don't, don't rush away. But let's pray. Father, you know, you know all the reasons why um, we find it hard to sit quietly, to sit still, to go to the quiet place. 
You know all about the busyness of our lives and the demands and the needs. You know all about our enemy who wants to stop us doing what will do us good. And you know all about our own fear of what might bubble up when we're in the quiet place. Father, I want to pray this morning, would you, would you put in our hearts a hunger for that place? Would you put in our hearts the knowledge that we can't live without it, that we can't survive without it, that we can't thrive without it, that we can't live the lives we were made to live if we don't go often to a place where we're with our Father, where we're with Jesus, where we know that you are God, where we know that we are loved, where we hear the voice of love reminding us of who we are as your beloved children. Father, would you put a hunger in us that says, I've got to get to that place and I've got to get to that place often. And would you help each of us to make a plan to remove the obstacles that get in the way, to make a plan to work out what it means for us at our stage of life with our circumstances to find that place of quiet where our souls can find rest in you. And Father, I pray you'd help us to encourage each other in this as well. And maybe this week we can talk to each other about why we find this difficult and how we can do it um, better and more faithfully um, in a way that will be life-giving. Um, thank you that you're patient with us as we keep trying to learn this way of life. Um, but would you lead us on? Would you lead us to deeper depths with you? And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.